0: Good morning. It is good to be with you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to be able to gather together on an important Sunday, a Sunday, but right before Christmas, where the, out, the opportunity to, to just take some time, hopefully some, some time this week, and to quiet our minds and our hearts, and to focus our thoughts on who Jesus is, and more importantly, what He's done for us in His life, death, burial, and resurrection. Not just a baby, but the one who would come and live and offer Himself as a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but for me, this is, this is a really a fun time of year. I, I love this time of year. And there's a reason why I like this time of year, because a lot of the music... Even, even though we, we didn't hear the words to O Holy Night, a lot of the music speaks to our heart and mind, and a lot of times we remember those wonderful, wonderful hymns. And it's not just about Jesus, but it's about the depth of who Jesus is. It's not just about a baby. It's about who Jesus is and what he's come to do and to ransom us from our sins. So I, I love the opportunity for us to be able to sing, even for me to be able to sing in the car, You know, to hear these songs and be able to sing and lift my voice in praise. I love the beautiful descriptions of who Jesus is. For example, you know, we we, we sing a song at times, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And verse three, listen to the lyrics. It says this: O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer. Our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to us, O Israel. It's an invitation for Emmanuel, God for us, God to us, to, to come to us and express himself to us as, as we worship him for who he is. In the song, Joy to the World, the wonderful lyrics of the, of the song, Joy to the World, notice what it says, Joy to the World. The Lord is come. It's an affirmation of who he is. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. It's an invitation for all of creation, what, to, to orient their lives to the Lord of all creation, reminding us that, that the Lord has come. And not only that, but he's a, he's a king. Do you, do you know that Jesus is the king? Is he the king of your life? Verse 4 says this, He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes the nations prove the glories of its righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love." In, in other words, because he's the Lord and he's the king, he's ruling the nations. He's, he's in control of all that we see going on in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of COVID-19. He's still on the throne, he's still, he's still the one that we look to and he's, and he's the Lord of heaven, and he's the Lord of earth. And I love to be reminded of those wonderful truths. So come all you faithful, I really wish I could sing. I mean, I can, but it would be really ugly. It'd be like cat scratching and all that kind of stuff. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord, he's the king of angels. And he's the one who invites us to come and worship him. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's an invitation for you and I, not to get so trapped up in the stuff, the presence, and all the activity, and all of the good things, and to lose sight of the most important thing of who Jesus is and what he's come to do for us. And on Holy Night, we just heard this. On Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a, glo- a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, night, O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine. It's an invitation for us to respond by falling on our knees and worshiping him for who he is and what he's come to do for us. And that's, that's what Christmas is, is all about. And, and that's why I love the songs. There's something about the songs that touch our hearts, maybe in an emotional kind of way. Um U2, um, Bono from U2, he said something interesting about music. He says this, music can change the world because it can change people. That, that's true about Christmas time. That's true about the music and the lyrics that we end that that resonate so well deep inside of our heart. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen said this, where words fail, music speaks. Stevie Wonder, remember him? Stevie Wonder? Music is a world within itself, with a language we all understand, is what he's saying. In other words, the lyrics and music have a way of touching the very depths of our heart and soul, if you will, because they ultimately point us to Jesus and know he is and what he's done for us. And, and that's what, for me, Christmas is all about. That's what, hopefully, for you, Christmas is all about. To stop. In, in a moment of time, before you begin your day, to stop and to reflect on who Jesus is and, and what he's done for us this morning. And, and I love these lyrics. I love the richness. I love the theology of these lyrics. And another reason why is because of, of the text that we're going to look at this morning from 2 Thessalonians chapter, chapter some 2. It, it's a reminder in our text of who Jesus is and what he's come to do for us. And it's a cause for us to celebrate all that Jesus has done for us. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul is getting he's getting ready to, to, to close this letter. And, and it's, it's been kind of a difficult letter because of all the different things going on with the people at Thessalonica. And, and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he just he pauses, he stops, and he offers a, a, another brief prayer. He this in the book of Romans, but he but he offers kind of a wish kind of prayer. And, and it's a beautiful prayer because he, he pauses to pray for the people that they would know and understand the nature and the character of, of our triune God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God our Father. That, that when we come to him, whether it be Christmas time, that we come to him every day, hopefully, that we are reminded of the nature and the character of God, and that he loves us and that he cares for us, and we're reminded of all that Jesus has done for us, going to the cross and offering himself as a sacrifice for our sin. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to just look at two verses this morning, two really simple verses, but they're incredibly beautiful, just like the songs that we sing, even the song that we didn't sing but we, in our minds and hearts, reflect on. These two verses point well to who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and I want us to be reminded of who Jesus is. Let me read the text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul says. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself... And God, our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. That's our theme, good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Let me just pray. Father, your word says that we're two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are there in their midst. And Father, as we gather together on this Sunday before Christmas, I ask that you would open our minds and our hearts Lord, not just to the beauty of the songs that we sing, but the beauty of who you are. Father, these two verses are just a a wonderful, wonderful prayer from the heart of Paul and what he truly wanted us to know and experience about Jesus. And and Father, I pray that it would resonate well with who we are at Christmas time, Lord, a reflection of who you are, what you've done for us, and, and what you also want us to do in this broken world, Lord. So Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see the wonder and the beauty of who you are through your word and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So the song that, that Tim and Debbie played, O Holy Night, it, it gives us the theme that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it says, A thrill of hope a, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn in, in the midst of the difficulties and the challenges of life and the weariness of the world that we might find ourselves in in, in the weariness of, of where life may be taking us. Now, we, we have the reality of Jesus and it says... For yonder breaks a new and glorious one in the, in the person of Jesus and who he is in the incarnation, in his desire to come to earth. We have a, a beautiful picture of who he is and what he's come to do for us. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at this theme of hope for the last couple of weeks. The first week we, we looked at Paul and his writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 15. Paul gives us a message of hope, and the message of hope is this, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. In other words, it doesn't matter what I've done in my life, how I've I've lived my life, that when I embrace by faith the nature and the character of who Jesus is, I'm going to give a new life. I'm going to begin a new life, a new journey of life. And because of that, I have ultimate hope. It's a message that Jesus came to save us from our sin. And then we looked at Mary. Mary, this young gal was going to give birth. And she doesn't really know the future. All that she knows is she's a virgin. She's been given a child by, by the Holy Spirit. She doesn't know the future, but she's going to raise this Savior. And because God has been faithful in the past in bringing the promised Messiah to her through the Holy Spirit, and God will be faithful in the, in the future, she knows that she's going to have hope for the present. That as she lives these years and days with Jesus, she's going to have hope. And last week we looked at a, a message of hope from Paul. He, she simply played, may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. A simple, simple verse, joy, peace, overflowing with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit is such a beautiful message for us at Christmas time. And what I want to do this morning is this. I really want to just send you out with a message of hope, but I want to send you out with a practice of hope. Listen, we are all, all rich and blessed people. We drove here in cars. We've got money in the bank. We've got food. We we have all of those types of wonderful, wonderful blessings. And because we've received all of these wonderful blessings, hope has a practical side to it. And that means is that we want to be able to give hope We want to be strengthened. We want to be encouraged. We want to be comforted from our Heavenly Father so that we can now go out and give hope to a broken world who at times finds this life very, very difficult. And that's what I want to do. Verse 16 says this. It says, by His grace, we have received this good hope. You, because you're in Christ, you have received by God's grace this good hope. Now, because you've received it, let's go do something. In other words, let's put some feet to the practicality of living our life with Jesus. And that's what I want to do with this this morning. I want to look at this. I want to tear it apart. I want to find out what we need to do. And then I want to send you out. And I'm going to bring Diana back. And we're going to to actually give you something. We're going to give you an assignment before we lead. Because hope needs to find a way of expressing itself. And that's what we want to do. So let's just walk through the verse. Let's have some fun. The practical nature of her. Number one, it begins with this idea. uh, It begins with prayer. It, It does. Look at verse 16. He says this: May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and, and, and God the Father. Okay, what I want to do is I, I just want to stop right there for a minute. I, I just want to stop there. Do you see what you see? What Paul does here? You see who he's addressing? When you come to pray, when you come to acknowledge who God is and and what He's done for your life, do you see what Paul does here? He says, "Listen, I want you to know. I want you to know who you're addressing. I want you to know the might and the power." That's available to you. He he calls this, he says, Jesus is our Lord. He says, May our Lord Jesus Christ. He's addressing Jesus as what? Our our Lord, which means this, He has power. He has authority. He's in control of all things. He is. Let me ask you, is He the Lord of your life? You may not understand all the different things going on in your life. And, and maybe life is really, really bad right now, but can you acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that he's in control of your life, and he's in control of all things, even though we don't fully understand it? Do you remember um, Thomas? Thomas says, listen, I'm, I'm not going to believe until I touch him and, and experience him on a, on a personal level. And in John chapter 20, verse 28, it says this, Jesus appeared to Thomas and he says, my Lord and what my God. He acknowledged him not only as God, but you're now my Lord. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you the control of my life. And so we sing in the song, Joy to the World. He rules the world with truth and grace. See, there's an affirmation when we sing about the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. Not only in our world, but in our life. Do uh, Do you affirm the lordship of Jesus when you pray? See, when I affirm the lordship of Jesus when I pray, it means this. I may not get exactly what I want, but I'm going to trust that Jesus is Lord of my life. So he's reminding them to, when you pray, remember that Jesus is Lord. Notice who else he is. He's the Savior. It means this, that, that Jesus left the wonder, the glory of heaven to come to this earth, to live on this earth, to go to the cross and went, and to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin on the cross. For my sin and for your sin. It's an acknowledgment that we can be forgiven of our sin because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it doesn't matter what you've done. John chapter 4, Jesus goes to his well. He's going to get some water to drink. There's this woman there. She's had five husbands, and Jesus enters into this dialogue with her. And she goes back to her community. She says, listen, I want to tell you about this guy. He knows all about me. He knows that I had five husbands, and the guy that I'm with now is not my husband. And Jesus stays there for two days talking with them speaking to them, giving them words of truth. And in John chapter 4, verse 42, listen to how they describe Jesus. We no longer believe, just because of what you said, woman, now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is what? He is the Savior of the world. He's come to offer himself as the Lamb of God, dying on the cross for our sins. And so we sing in the the, the, uh, song, O Holy Night, It is the night of our what dear Savior's birth. Again, it's an affirmation of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So when we pray, we're praying that Jesus is Lord. We're praying that Jesus is the Savior of my sin, but we're also praying that he's the promised one. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one who was promised long time ago by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 60, 53, all of those wonderful prophecies of who Jesus is. And now he shows up, and as he gets ready to walk into the city of Jerusalem, remember what they're doing? They're taking their palm fronds and they're crying, falling at their feet, saying, What? Jesus is the King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the King. They're worshiping as the King. And so at Christmas time, we sing, Joy to the world, let earth receive for what? King. You see what Paul is doing here? He's, he's framing this prayer, if you will. And the reality of who Jesus is as the Lord, as the Savior, and as the Christ, as the Messiah. And by the way, the Lord, the Christ, the Messiah, that's word used over nine times in this, in this letter. In other words, Paul is reminding them in the midst of all of the difficulties and challenges that you were going through as a people, don't forget that Jesus is your Lord. Don't forget that he's your Savior. And don't forget that he's your King. Because that's who he is and that's what he's come to do. And by the way, that anthem, that praise, that identity of who Jesus is, one day the world will stop and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that very phrase. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Notice the words about Jesus' identity. Notice about his incarnation. Notice what he's come to do. Therefore, because of his death, God exalted him what, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see how Paul is praying? He stops in the midst of this letter and he says, listen, I I want you to pray. I want you to acknowledge that Jesus, he's the Lord, he's the Savior, and he's the, the promised Messiah. But notice what else he prayed. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, The rock, our salvation, our very refuge. All of those wonderful, wonderful descriptions of God. And and now he's likened to what? He personalizes this relationship. He personalizes this God in such a wonderful, wonderful way. That that God is our Heavenly Father because of who He is and what He's done and sending Jesus to come to the cross and offer Himself. And you and I have this intimate, tight relationship with God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, about our Father. Notice the implication of relationship here. And by the way, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but notice how it's described here. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Listen, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be a slave to fear. Why? Because our Heavenly Father has adopted you. But you received the Spirit of Sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. When you put your faith, your trust, when you acknowledge Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you, and you were claimed as Him. And you were claimed as His Son, as His daughter, as His child. And now we call out and we cry out to Him, our Abba, Father, our Heavenly Father. Listen, I'm just a human being. I'm also a father, though. I'm not a perfect father but I really, 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 really wanted to be a good father, like all of you want to be a good father or a good mother. And what we affirm here is this. God is what our good, good father. Remember the song? He's our good, good father. Why? Because it is who you are. Why is God our good father? Because it is who you are. A a, a guy was asked, a pastor was asked by his father, This question, he says, what are the three most common affirmations of God in the Bible? Well, he gets the pastor this. And and when I I heard this question in my mind, I'm going, what would I respond? God is holy? God is sovereign? God is love? I Not how you would respond to that question. He said, no, none of those. And 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 the father said this, the three most common affirmations of God in the Bible are this. God is good, God is able, and God is faithful. God is good, God is able, God is faithful. That's Gaff. Don't leave here this morning without remembering GAF As the 2021, all the calamity and stuff that we've experienced, don't we want to hear a message that tells us that God is good, that God is able, and that God is faithful? Don't we want to hear that? Don't we want to leave here knowing that God is for me in our life? And so that's what Paul's doing He's saying, listen, I want you to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, remember who he is and what he's done for us. And I want you to remember the nature of God as our heavenly father. And the reason that I want you to do that is because life is dip and life is stinky and life is hard. That's what happened to the people at Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17, remember how the church started? Paul comes in and, and they basically run him out of town. A riot, they run him out of town because of Him going and and the Jewish people ran him out of town. So in the midst of the persecution, these believers gathered together and they began a church. But the persecution didn't end there. It was really, really hard. And when when Paul and Silas and Timothy left, you know what happened? Paul was so concerned about the people, so concerned what was going on in their life, he sent Timothy back because they were unsettled. Listen, what happens when you're unsettled? When you're unsettled in life and theology, you lose your hope. So Paul recognizes that. And what does he do? He sends Timothy back. And he sends him back because I want to settle you. I want to give you hope. I want to encourage you, if you will. There was misguided teaching going on about the day of the Lord and when Jesus will return. And by the way, in chapter 2, he talks about the lawless when he talks about Satan. In other words, there is a spiritual battle going on, and it's still going on. And we're not any different. We have pain. We have suffering. Lois is on her deathbed. Uh, Dave Rittenhouse, shocked us, passed away. Steve's, Steve's father. We're in the midst of the throes of all of that. And then there's a spiritual battle going on. And no wonder life is difficult. And what Paul is simply reminding them listen, when you get to a hopeless state, you're going to feel at times maybe empty, like you want to give up, like you can't go on. You've been beat down and hurt. Um, David, the great King David, he experienced that. And, and then he wrote some words of affirmation. Psalm 56 says this Notice what he writes Record my lament, list my tears in your scroll. Or are they not in your record? <clears throat> do you see my tears, Lord? I know that you do. Do you see what's going on in my life? I, I want you to write that down on a list because I want you to know about them. I want you to be able to help me. And he acknowledges that. When you're empty, it's an opportunity for, to, to go and to turn to him. Psalm 34, Paul says this. I mean, uh, David says this. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. David acknowledged the difficulty and the challenges of life. And what he did was he acknowledged who God is and what he would do for them. And what Paul was reminding us in our text is listen, life is hard. We need to think about our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to think about God as our heavenly Father. We need to think about what God will do for us, and he will come and he will help us. And I believe there's another reason why Paul frames this prayer, if you will, in this way. He's pointing us to Jesus. He's pointing us to God. He's pointing us to the wonder and the beauty of who he is because he doesn't want us to forget what he's done for us. Look at verse 16 again. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. What have you and I received from Jesus, from our heavenly Father, that we can bank on today as we leave here. Three things Paul mentioned. Number one is love. Notice it says, who loved us or who set his love upon us. It's interesting to me. Why does he use past tense? Why doesn't he see who loves us? Well, he does currently love us. Why, Why does he go back? Why does he go backwards? Maybe because he's reminding us of probably the most wonderful and beautiful aspect of love. When did God display his love to you and to me. In the ugliness of my life and the ugliness of my sin, what did he do? He sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin so that I can have a relationship with him. I have been forgiven of my sin and that is all by what God's grace. You didn't earn it. Look at verse th- oh, you can't look. Well, you can't look at it. If you're in, if you're in 2nd Thessalonians, look at verse 13, chapter 2 verse 13. Let me just read it. Paul wrote this. This is what he's talking about about love. He says this. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, what? Loved by the Lord because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. God chose you in Him before the very foundation of the world that you would be His son or you would be His daughter. That is all by God's grace. You did nothing to receive it. That is all because of who Jesus is. He loves you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe that? When you look at life and look at the difficulties and the challenges of life, have you set your mind, your, your theology, on the truth that God loved you and forgave you of your sin? And no matter what you're going through, that you have a God who loves you and will continue to love you? A man by the name of John who leaned back on the breast of Jesus wrote these words in 1 John chapter 4 he says this This is how God showed his love Among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him What is our task at Christmas time What is our task in life that we would live through Jesus that Jesus and the spirit of God would be so involved in our life we would be so dependent upon him that we are living for him, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, what? As an atoning sacrifice for our sin. you'd have to pay for sin. You'd have to do one thing. We believe and trust in Jesus and what he's done for us. And he becomes that sacrifice for our sin. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you? So so when we pray, we're we're coming with this building block, knowing that God loves us. What else do we see here? Comfort. Paul refers to this as eternal comfort or internal encouragement. So one of the songs that we sing at Christmas time is Silent Night. And I've always been a little bit befluxed, bemused, something about the words. And, And let me try to explain. The words go like this. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon, virgin mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. So this is what I mean. This is the confusing part for me. I've never given birth to a baby. I've watched my wife give birth to a baby. And it was everything, anything but calm and bright. Our first baby was cesarean. Ashley was bent like a taco. They tried to flip her in the womb, couldn't do it. She was born with cesarean. The other three, hours and hours of labor. Ladies, you've been through this. If you were going through labor, six hours through the labor, and your husband came up to you and said, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Wouldn't you march him out? Say, get out of here. But what I saw was something in this song that I never really seen before. Notice what he says. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in what? Heavenly peace. This isn't human peace. Where does heavenly peace come from? It comes from God. In other words, peace and eternal comfort and encouragement comes from someone beyond ourselves. It comes from God. It's something that God gives to us when we can't wrestle through the life and the challenges of life. In other words, hope and peace and comfort and joy and all of these wonderful offers are something that God gives to us because of our relationship with Him and because of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. That's a very, very different kind of peace and hope and joy that the world offers to us. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Think about the, the things that you've gone through and, and, and the experiences that you've gone through. Notice what Paul writes. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with a comfort we ourselves have received from God. Listen, if you struggle with life, if you struggle with challenges, remember that God, the Holy Spirit, is the comforter. And what he wants to do, he is the father of compassion and God of all comfort. He wants to give you that kind of comfort. Why? So that you can then be a comfort to other people. You're a conduit of God's goodness. You're a conduit of God's grace. You're a conduit of what? Hope and peace and love and joy. So we receive love. Receive received this, this comfort, this eternal encouragement, if you will, and, and good hope. Did you have good, good hope? Do you have this, this promise of, of good hope? I told you about Dave Rittenhouse, how he passed away really, really unexpectedly. And I had a conversation yesterday with Flora, and Flora is, is a, his wife. And she said something about what they were playing for, for Dave as he passed away. You know, uh, things went really quickly. And they're playing a song, um, The Battle Belongs, and, and the lyrics are, are by Phil Wickham. And I want to just give you the lyrics. And, and as, as, he's, as he's laying there, as he's ready to enter into the eternity, this song is going before him. And, and listen to the lyrics. It says this. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as say, walk to the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. For my hands lifted I. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. That is the hope that we have that smashes this Greek and Roman philosophy that was so prevalent at the time that they didn't have hope beyond the grave. Almost every philosopher lived only for the day. They didn't have confidence in the reality and the nature and the character of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Socrates, at his death, said this, I hope to go hence to good men, but of that I am not very confident, nor does it become any wise men to be positive that it will be so. I must now die and you shall live, but which of us is the better? God only knows. Seneca said, it is that which our wise men only promise but do not prove. What? A promise that we will live on eternity. And that was the predominant Greco-Roman thought for the people. And now Paul comes along and he says, by the way, we have this thing called good hope. That we will live for eternity in heaven. Okay, so Paul frames this prayer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He frames this prayer in our Heavenly Father. And he says, by the way, don't remember what I've done for you. I've I've given you love. I've given you comfort. I've given you good hope. Now, now because of all that you've experienced, this is what I want you to do. And that's the benefits. Look at verse 17. Notice what you and I have been tasked to do. It says this. Let me just read the whole thing. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God, our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and hope. Notice what it says, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. In other words, the reason, one of the reasons why we have this wonderful blessing from the Lord is so that we can now be a conduit of what? Hope and peace and love and joy in the midst of a world that's gone absolutely crazy. Paul actually used the same terminology, if you will, when he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. Remember, they were unsettled. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul sends Timothy back. And notice the reason. Notice what he says on the screen. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, what? To strengthen and encourage you. Strengthen and encourage you. In other words, I want to give you strength. I want to give you comfort. I want to give so that you can then be able to go out and serve and minister to other people and be a conduit of God's praise and God's grace to other people. Uh, I want to use an illustration here. I think you'll like this. Most of us are familiar with the comic strip by Charles Saltz Peanuts. Remember uh, Linus, Lucy, and Snoopy and Pigpen and all those, all those kind of little red-haired girl. I mean, most of us are, are familiar with that. If you're not, young people, you just have to Google it. You'll figure it out. You can do that, right? So there's one strip that that talks about the importance of encouragement. And let me just kind of walk through it with you. Linus has written his own comic strip. He's written his comic strip of his own, and he wants Lucy, his sister's opinion. So in the first frame, he tentatively hands Lucy his comic strip, and he says, Lucy, would you read this and tell me what you think, if it's very funny or not? In the next frame, uh, you see Lucy. You remember she used to pat her foot. And a little bit of a grin comes to her face, and she looks at Linus, and she says, Linus, well, who wrote this? Linus with his chest puffed out and big old grin on, and said, "Lucy, I wrote it." In the next frame, you see Lucy wadding it up and throwing it to the sign, and saying this: "Well then, I don't think it's very funny. Pretty cruel, huh?" In the final frame, you see Linus picking up his comic strip, throwing his blanket over his shoulder, looking at Lucy, and saying this: "Big sisters are the crabgrass and the long of life. Don't be, don't be that kind of person. Don't be the crabgrass." in the lawn of somebody else's life. We want to go out and to minister and to serve and to speak well of others because of what God has done for us. In other words, because of who I am as God's child and that he's loved me and he's given me all of these wonderful, wonderful things, my position in Christ is absolutely beautiful and no one can take it away. Now, because you have that, go do, go love, go give hope, go give joy, go give peace. Be that conduit, if you will, of love and joy. So I'm going to invite Diana to come in for just for a minute because we're going to give you a practical application. We're going to give you an assignment. Before we do that, I, I, a great application of this is, Stella, I did not tell you as as I was going to do this, but I'm just going to do it. Stella, raise your hand, if you will. She's in the back. I want you to go home, and I want you to Google, get on um, Channel 11. And Channel 11 did a, a little expose about Stella and the way that she ministers and serves our community, specifically the way that she ministers and serves to some elderly people. And they showed it last night, and we had grandkids over, and we couldn't get it. But Channel 11, go look up Channel 11, look up Salo's name, and get that, because that is exactly what God has called us to do. Go back into your community, to your family and your friends, your work, and give hope. So I'm going to pray, then Diana's going to come, and she's going to give you your assignment. right? Father, thank you for your goodness. Father, thank you that God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, thank you at Christmas we can celebrate the wonder and the beauty through songs, through who you are as a person and what you've done for us. Father, thank you that you love us, that you are our heavenly Father and that you care for us and that you are good and that you are able and you are faithful. Thank you for that. Father, I ask that as Diana comes that you would encourage us and help us to be conduits, if you will, of hope this year. In Jesus' name, amen.